Well, kia ora everyone and welcome to this uh, service. I love baptisms and God's life-changing uh, power. And um, yeah, I hope the message is, I, I think, relevant to that and God's life change um, uh, in us. But again, just reminding us of this glorious gospel. You know, life has many choices. Eternity only has two. And we need to understand that in a hundred years from now, none of us will be here. What decision will you make about Christ? Who was he? Where does he fit in history? He's not a myth. He is a historical figure. Who was he? It's a very important question. What is the meaning of life? And so I think it's so important to think uh, about that. The, the truth is nobody gets out of here alive. And we, we need to think about that. This life is like a dash. It's just, you know, born here, died here, that you live life in the dash. And once that's over eternity, there is a day the Bible speaks of. And we need to be considerate of that and think uh, about that. This life is not all that there is. You might say, well, I don't believe that. And that's just the way the devil likes it. But again, Christ can change your life if you would give your life to him and allow him to lead and be the master of it. This message I'm going to do today, I, I, I did some years ago, and I'm, I'm doing it because my wife asked me to. Oh, wow. And um, wow. we were down in Ashburton last, last week, as you, you know, and, and, and I, can, I just want to tell you, it rained from, well, it rained from the whole time. So it just rained, and it rained uh, so much. I'm, I'm glad we made it back alive because the, the bridge, the church was on this side of the Ashburton River, and uh, we went to church, and the river was flooded. But by the time church had finished, it was up halfway uh, to the bridge pillars, and by that night on the news, it was closed. So I'm glad we got on the airport side of the bridge, and we could uh, uh, make it. But as we were flying down to Ashburton, Anita said, remember that message? Can you... Um, do it again, and as I thought about what's happening here today, I thought, yeah, I, I, I certainly, certainly will. It's a message that I've called, What Defines You? What Defines You? And it, it's a very personal message to me, and you'll see why as we go through it. But speaking from Judges chapter 6, verse 11, this is the story or an excerpt of the story of Gideon. And it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash, the Abrazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Some background context to this passage. The Israelites were being oppressed by the marauding Midianites. They were, were really oppressed. This had been going on for about seven, seven years. The, who were the Midianites? The Midianites were nomadic uh, people. They were herdsmen and what they would do is they were not large in and of themselves but they would team up with other nomadic tribes and then enter into uh, the land of God's uh, people to do battle there and there was a reason for that so they would make the Midianites would make alliances if you like with all the other ites uh, in the area, so the Amalekites and the Amorites and the Moabites and the Hittites, and we may as well put the mosquito bites in there uh, as we, we go. But all these, these things, these sort of pests would come in and, and try to take control. And they would make these 
alliances, and then, then they would just invade Israel and destroy everything in their path. Uh, because they were herdsmen, they would come with uh, camels and, and, and cattle, and they were like swarm, a swarm of locusts. Uh, what do locusts do? Of course, they consume everything in their path. In fact, that's what the scripture calls them in Judges 6 verse 5. It says, they came up with their livestock and their tents. Where did they come up from? They came up from Arabia. They came up uh, to that place. When you're going to Jerusalem or into that, you're always going up. And, and so, 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 so they would come up out of Arabia. So they would be like what is a, a Bedouin today. So nomadic herdsmen who would, who would travel across the land. And of course, so, so they came like with their livestock, their tents, like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Because where Gideon was, of course, was very fertile. It was great for agriculture. That, that we know that because there were vineyards there. Obviously, he was in a wine press. There were vineyards in that place. And like I said, these herdsmen mostly lived towards the south in the, in the desert, in, in what we would call Arabia. And Scripture tells us that the people of Israel were afraid. And if you read the story in your own time, you would find that the people of Israel were hiding. As I said, this has been going on for seven, seven or so years. And in uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 2, it tells us the people of Israel, when these marauding Midianites would come, they'd, they'd hide where? In the clefts of rock. They would, they would hide in caves. And, of course, for Gideon, he was hiding threshing wheat in a wine press, afraid, fearful, and lost hope. The wine presses, there should be a photo of them. That's not where you thresh uh, uh, wheat. The, 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 uh, this is an actual picture of a historic wine, wine press in the area. And so he was down in this press hiding. Of course, that's not how you would normally thresh Wheat, if you can go to the next photo, threshing wheat is usually done in an open place. Why? Because you, you, you throw the wheat up, the heavier wheat falls to the ground, and the chaff. There's so much in the scripture about wheat and chaff. Uh, but the, 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 the heavier wheat would fall to the ground, the chaff would blow away from the wind. So there was a, he was not in his proper place. It was not being done in its proper, proper place. But it was in that moment, it was in that moment that the angel of the Lord appears in Judges 6 verse 12. And it says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And now I don't think it was the fumes in the wine press, amen. Uh, Gideon had at that moment an encounter with God. On the surface, of course, at face value, when we look at the situation, Gideon didn't look like or appear like a mighty warrior. Yet nevertheless, that's how the angel of the Lord addresses him. And I want to say here, and I hope you hear my heart, I believe the Lord often addresses our potential rather than our problems. And I think that's what's going on. I believe the Lord is addressing Gideon's potential rather than his 
current position. Gideon needed a, a, a supernatural reminder of his position, as I think we do from time to time. Gideon needed a supernatural reminder of, of his position, and, and I think we could do with those kind of reminders every now and then who we are in him. The angel of the Lord in that moment, by his word, defined who Gideon was. Mighty warrior. He didn't talk about, the angel of the Lord didn't talk about where he was. No, no, he didn't do that. No, he, he, he told him who he was. Mighty warrior. And of course, when we think about Gideon, he didn't look like one. I'm pretty sure from the text, he certainly didn't feel like one, yet God declared him so. God defined him so. I want to ask today, what defines you? What defines you? Does your current situation or God's word declaration define you? What defines you, mighty warrior? What defines you? Do you let the world or God's word define you? Do you let culture, whatever is happening in culture, do you let that define you? Do, you? do you let social media or endless, mindless TikToks define you? What defines you? Is it peer pressure? Is it what others say or what others think about you? Who are you trying to please? What defines you? I said a while back on the platform and pulpit of your life, choose very carefully who you give the mic to. Choose very carefully who you give the microphone to the platform of your life to. I want to say be careful about what voices. There are so many voices vying for our attention. I want to say be careful about the voices you allow to be amplified in your in your life, but, uh, the voices you choose to let them be louder than any other. Because I'm going to tell you, there are many voices vying for the platform and pulpit of your life. Going for your mind and for your heart. That's why you've got to guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. That's why you've got to allow your mind to be transformed. By the renewing of his, oh, hallelujah. Allowing his word to transform our heart and mind. Because I want to tell you, the voices out there desire to shape and shift your thinking. And there's no doubt that voices will affect your choices. So choose carefully who you hand the microphone of your life to because they will become the loudest voice. What defines you? Do you let failure define you? Many people do. They allow their failures, what they've got wrong, to define them. I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I, I'm a deadbeat. No, I'm no good for anything. Is, is, is that you here 
today? Do you let failure define you? Other, others allow circumstances, what they're, what, what's happening to them. Other, others allow circumstances to define them. They allow the hell they're going through rather than the heaven they're going to to define their, to define their life. This is my lot. We've always been poor. Our family's always been like this. We've always been stuck in this situation. My marriage is always like that. My job's always the. What defines you? Friend, I want to tell you, your surroundings should not dictate your status. Your circumstances do not negate your Christianity. What defines you? More importantly, who defines you? Who defines you? Does, does what other people say about you define you? We can let it. And this is where it's personal for me. And for, for me, I, I remember Anita came up excited one day at our house. And I think my parents had found an old school report. And they, they, they came up and, and Anita handed, oh, we found an old one of your school reports. And uh, I didn't do too well at school. I, I was quite naughty and just, and it's because I found difficulty learning. It wasn't because I was being a jerk. I just found it difficulty learning. And I, I, Anita thought it would be fun to hand me this report. And within a few moments as I'm reading the report, I'm bawling my eyes out. Uh, because the teachers of what they're saying about me, which was not very, very nice. And so I, I, I just, it was like a very, she's like, oh, well, that didn't go how I thought it would go. Um, and, and so I'm reading this report, and I'm just like, all oh, this. And it took me back to a moment where I did this project, and I remember I worked really hard. It was on the Harrier Hawk, which is a um, uh, New Zealand bird, if you don't know. So, um, so and I, I still love hawks today. If I'm riding my motorcycle, I, 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 when I'm over, if I see sometimes hawks, well, the flyer, and I, I, I love watching them fly. Like, I, I kind of like a New Zealand eagle, right? And, and so I, I remember working so hard on this project. I worked hard on the cover. I worked hard on the, the thing. And one of the things the school did at that stage is they, they took all the projects from the class and they sent it over to a school in Masterton. Anybody from Masterton here today? I hope you went in that school. I'm going to work out your age. But the... But they sent it over to Marston for other kids, and the other kids over there marked it. And they sent it back. And when they sent the project back, all I remember, this is dumb, this is useless. I don't, I don't know. It, it was just bad. And for me, a part of what I did is I was like, well, maybe that is true. Maybe I am dumb. I, I, I put my heart and soul into that project. And, and maybe you're thinking of something that you put your heart and soul into and and it got, and people just said stuff. It's just like, man, what's the point? And I got to that point where, 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 where it was just like, this is useless. Trying to do, and of course, from from there on, my my life just went down. Not from that project, it was just going down. <laughs> it was going downhill anyway. Again, because I allowed those voices to influence my choices. And it put my life on a direction. I am no longer that person. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but, but it affected me. 
because I allowed what other people said about me to define, define me. And how they define me is now how I was defining myself. But that is not me anymore. The man I was then is not who I am now. First Samuel 10 verse 6 it says, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will be changed, goes on to say, into a different person. When Samuel anointed Saul to be king, this is what he said. As God's Spirit touches you, you will be changed into a different person. God will begin a work on the inside of you. You will be even as we walk through the waters of baptism today, like a new, the Bible speaks about we're a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Meaning God is at work in our lives. It doesn't mean and that all our problems go away or all the, 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 the battles, but it, it, it means that God is at work on the inside of my life. He's, he, his spirit dwells there and is, is working in and on and, and, and through my life. We're, we're a new creation. Yet if you've been around the Bible for a while, you will know that Saul, as Saul went through life, he, he forgot this. He, he forgot that, that God had made him new and he allowed his, his, his fears to define him, his, his insecurities to define him. He, he lost sight of the fact that when the Spirit of God came upon him, he would be changed into a different person. And really, I'm just here today to tell you that when the Spirit of God touched my life, he changed me into a different person. I'm here today to tell you when the Spirit of God touched your life, he changed you. Come on, somebody say amen, into a different person. And of course, I get it. I, I, I get that we, we don't always feel like it. We don't always feel like that, but neither did Gideon. But God declared it so. And so I, I'm just saying here today, it's time to stop being defined by your situation. And like Gideon, start being defined by God's declaration in his word. Let God's word define you, mighty warrior. Let God's divine definition establish your true position, who he says you are. It's so important that we receive God's word, its definition of who we are in Christ, not others and certainly not the world's. What the world thinks about you, I just want to say, doesn't matter. How the world defines you doesn't matter. His word says in 1 John 4 verse 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Friends, I want to remind us today in these crazy times that we live that we are made in the image of God. Genesis 1 verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. You and I are created to be reflections of the image of God made in his likeness. And we, we are unique on the earth. We are unique compared to the animal kingdom and, and, 
and again, we, have a, a, we are made in the image of God. You'll never find, part of my expression, but you'll, you'll never find a rhinoceros painting the Sistine Chapel. That would be very difficult anyway for, for sight. You're, ne- you, you, you're never going to find a hippopotamus admiring a sunset going, that's beautiful. Why? Because the animal kingdom goes by instinct. They have instinct. We, we, we have the ability to choose. We have the ability to make, make choices. I, 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 we, we can go, you know, I really shouldn't be eating that piece of cake. I really need to eat that kale. <laughs> and we can do that. We can, we can eat the kale because we, we, can, we, can, we, we, can, we can choose to do we can choose to do that. We, we, can, we can choose, I'm, I'm going to drink water instead of Coke. We can, we can choose. Uh, cho- <laughs> yeah, it's uh, quiet in the cheap seats, please. The, 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 but but, but we, we can choose to be able to do that or not. I like Coke Zero. Animals go by instinct, and you know, there were some of the most ridiculous videos on YouTube. Don't search them now, but you can search them afterward. Uh, as my dog's a vegetarian. Have you, have you seen, seen that? People are going, hey, look, I just want to tell you my dog is a vegetarian. And I don't know what I'm talking about. That's how it sounds to me. But my dog's a vegetarian. Please watch. I've got some salad leaves and some meat here. You will see my dog will choose. <laughs> and what's the dog do? It comes out and it eats the salad. No, it doesn't eat the salad. It goes straight for the meat, and the person's like so, so, so shocked because the dog just goes by instincts. My cat is a vegetarian. No, it's not. <laughs> it comes out, and it'll eat the meat because it goes by instincts. We can choose to eat the salad. But anyway, who likes salad anyway? Come on. Oh, sorry, sorry. If you've, I apologize to all the, the vegan, the, or whatever it is. <laughs> the vegan corner. Well, that's a whole other message. Let's stay on track. Yeah. But we're made in his image, in the image of God. He made us male and female. We've got to be clear on that. We're made in his image. What's this program? It's, some of you, if you're uh, older like me, you'll, re- you'll remember the program called Roots. And it was the story of Kunta Kinti. And he was a Mandiko, Mandiko warrior. And it's an actual people group. I looked this up. The story is fictional, but the, the people group is an actual people from Sierra Leone that, that, that exist. And it's a story of how he was kidnapped and sold into slavery in a new America. And the, the series spans three generations. And it starts with Kunta Kinti's birth in his village among his tribe in Africa. And as he's birthed, the father's waiting anxiously outside. And, 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 and he... He, he uh, hears the news of his son's, uh, Kunta Kinti's birth, and, and so he celebrates that, and they do their customs as they do, and the whole village celebrates that. And then, uh, again, some people invaded that village and uh, uh, grabbed all the people and uh, put them in chains and, of course, sold them into slavery, and they end up in uh, America. So as the generations pass... Gunter Kenti marries there and 
America and they eventually have a daughter and as what often happened in those uh, times as the daughter grew up when she uh, um, got to uh, an age she was taken away or sold to a new master and of course bad things happened and she was raped and uh, became pregnant uh, by that new master and and so eventually she gave birth to a baby and of course she was so devastated by all of this and uh, what had happened as anyone would be uh, that she decided to end her and the child's life and so one night she took the baby and this young boy baby and started walking into this like a swamp area with the intention of drowning herself and the baby and as she's walking into the water into that place she hears in her spirit the voice of her father and it brings it back brings her back to her senses and as she holds the child she she say she says this she says your grandfather was kunta kente he is a mandinka warrior and and she says this a powerful word she said you got to know who he is so you can know who you are you got to know who he is so you can know who you are friend i want to tell you today you've got to know who he is so you can know who you Ah, so many people telling us who we are. So many people telling us, confusing our young people and our children. But you've got to know who he is so you can know who you are. I want to say this today. I don't know what struggles. I don't know what struggles or battles you've had to fight or, or trials that have plagued your your life. I, I, I don't know what injustices have, have knocked you down, even tried to take you out. I don't know what horrible situations have happened to you. Maybe, maybe these things feel, feel like they're so heavy they are drowning you, but I want you to, to today to, to hear in your spirit the voice of your heavenly Father. And I want to say, don't, don't let the problems you face become the person you are. Listen, stuff might have happened to you, and I know stuff has happened to many of you. Life hasn't gone how you thought it should. But listen, that stuff might have happened to you, but it doesn't mean God can't work through you. Come on, somebody say amen. Just because stuff's happened to you doesn't mean God can't work through you. You've got to know who God is so you can know who you are. So is he? So who is he? Who is this God? I remember this video that came out on YouTube many years ago. It's a black preacher, and he was just, he, he put this, it's about, I don't know, five minutes long, but it's like, who's, who's my king? Because you've got to know who he is so you can know who you are. And it'll go like this, my king. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He is the king of Israel. He is the king of righteousness. He is the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Do you know him? Because you've got to know who God is so you can know who you are. 
My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? You got to know who God is so you can know who you are. So the keyboard can come. He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea of literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He is the fundamental doctrine of all true theology. He is the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. Do you know him? Because you've got to know who God is so you can know who you are. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? You got to know who he is so you can know who you are. He's the key of all knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? His life is matchless. His goodness limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off your hand. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Do you know him? You've got to know who God is so you can know who you are. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah, that's my king. That's my king. Come on, somebody give him some praise in this place. Do you know him? You've got to know who God is so you can know who you are. Friend, I want to tell you here today that you are not what others have done to you. You're not your problems. You're not your circumstances. You're not what has happened to you. You're a son and a daughter of the Most High God, part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are made in the image and likeness of the Most High God. So you've got to know who he is so you can know whose you are. Romans 8 verse 17 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are God's children, then we are heirs. We have an inheritance. We are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So I'm looking at some mighty warriors today. Oh, you might not feel like it. But we declare it so. And so I want to say to you today, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, let the work of the cross define you. 
Let the power of the chain-breaking, sin-crushing, demon-defeating resurrection define you. He who knew no sin became sin for you, that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. My Bible tells me that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Has anybody got a testimony in this place today? Come on. I'm going to tell you, stop letting the devil dictate his mandate over your life. Stop believing the lies of the devil. Rather, believe the truth of God's word. I'm going to tell you, many things used to define you, but today, the Spirit of God's touched your life and you've changed to a different person. You're a different person. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Philippians 1 verse 6 says this, being confident of this. You can be confident of this. With all your struggles and with all your battles, you can be confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, he who began this work in you will complete it. Friend, I want to tell you, you can't receive what God has for you until you accept what he's done for you. He's made a way where there seemed to be no way. And so our challenge is, is to live according to his word. According to his words, definition, not the world's. Let God define you, mighty warrior. You're made in his image. Author O.S. Guinness said, if God is God and man is made in his image, then each man is significant. When you look in the mirror today, mighty warrior, stop hiding. Get out of the whiny wine press. And fight the good fight. Let him define you. Good place to say amen. Before I close, I just want to say this. Do you know him today? Maybe even as I'm speaking, it's like I need to know this God. I want to remind you that the Bible says, you might go, I've got so much stuff in my life. Listen, everybody's got stuff in their life. All of us. Doesn't matter how pretty they look or how fancy they look, everyone's got stuff. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But see, this is the good news of the gospel. He, he doesn't say, sort yourself out and then you can follow me. He says, follow me and I'll sort you out. And I'll work in you. It's about just going, God, I need you. I'm, I'm sick of trying to do this life by myself. Again, accept the work of the cross. He died so that you can live. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? If you're here today, 
and you're in this room and you know you need to get right with God in a moment I'm going to pray a prayer and that prayer just says God come and be king of my life if you know you need to be included in that prayer I just want you wherever you're sitting would you just put your hand up and say that's me pastor would you include me in that prayer thank you thank you thank you just nice and high wherever you are come on this is your day eternity listen eternity only has two choices come on this is your time to get right with God don't mess around hands up all over the place okay slip those hands down is there anybody here who you know you should have put your hand up but you didn't you you stop worrying about what anybody else thinks you know you've got to get right with God are you here today where is that hand come on you know you should have put your hand up thank you thank you all right put those hands down let's pray this prayer together Lord Jesus I come to you today a sinner in desperate need of a savior today I want to get right with you today I accept your death on the cross as an atonement for my sin I cannot do it myself I now give my life to you be my master and the king of my life help me to follow you all the days of my life from this day forth and everybody said amen Amen. can we put our hands together for those who said yes to Jesus and if you've prayed that prayer for the first time today as you go out from there Pastor Natalie will be holding a a New Testament we would love to give you as a gift but otherwise why don't you stand and let me pronounce a blessing over you keep coming to church you're welcome back Let me pronounce this blessing over you and your family. Again, this is an ancient blessing, thousands of years old. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, there's a prayer station over to the side here. Someone will be ready to pray with you. God bless you. The service is over.